0: which also said he's going to bowl full and straight. what well, a that is from Crawley. A real statement, the first ball crunched through extra cover for four.
1: Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, a spirit of Australia. Day one at Edgbaston was a day to remember. The Ashes has kicked off in fine fashion, and myself, Josh Tronofinger, and Louis Cameron have been here to witness it all, and we're going to give you a bit of a recap on how it all played out. Louis, how about that for day one?
0: How good's Baseball, mate? I'm a convert. I loved it. <laughs> I, love, I love how they play cricket. I love the conversations it forces people to have. I can't remember having that much fun watching a day's test cricket than... Uh, maybe ever. It was just fantastic. You know, like you think about like big milestone events. I remember going to see Shane Warne as a kid, get his 700th test wicket. You remember things like that, but in terms of just entertainment throughout the whole day, it was just awesome. It was so cool. Uh, Australia um, had to, you know, just uh, uh, apply a completely different strategy to what they normally do. England were, you know, they're nuts. They they (laughs) bat like absolute maniacs sometimes, but Um, Gee, it makes for entertaining cricket. And I think both teams kind of walk away thinking that they had a good day.
1: Yep. Um, It was certainly cricket-like. We've never watched the Australian Test team play. And there were plenty of talking points, including from the very first ball of the day. Zach Crawley hit uh, Pat Cummins for four. He got 61 and was out on the last ball before lunch. In the end, England finished with eight for 300 Sorry, eight for 393 declared. They declared after just 78 overs, which shocked a few people, but other people said, oh, well, we saw that coming. Um, And then Australia had to face four overs at the end of the day, and they successfully negotiated it. David Warner and Usman Khawaja getting Australia to none for 14, at the close and there are a lot of
0: talking points. Where do we begin, Lou? Well, maybe with the declaration because I know that's probably not the the biggest thing of the day but it was the most surprising part of the day. I mean, it wasn't surprising how England... Uh, battered. It wasn't even that much of a surprise how Australia uh, strategically approached uh, the day, but we can talk more about that in a little bit. But the declaration, I thought, was really interesting, and Johnny Bairstock actually got asked in the press conference just before, uh, you know, did you know it was coming? And he's like, no, nah. had no idea. I would scramble around to get my tape on, I had to scramble around to get my pads on. And he said, it's almost better when you, you have no idea something's coming. So Ben Stokes is surprising his own teammates.
1: Should have mentioned in that score wrap-up, Joe Root, of course. No better time for Joe Root to remind everybody of his enduring class. What a player he is and what a time to 30th bear. test century, he batted superbly. Did he give a chance? I don't think he gave a chance throughout his innings. He was just superb. And then once he got to the, his 100, he put the foot down again. Uh, some big sixes of Nathan Lyon just before that declaration. And a couple of quite... Draw, jaw-dropping sixes off the quick bowlers. Scott Bolland
0: and Pat Cummins both were reverse ramped by Root for six. It's kind of amazing when you think about how he's fitted into this baseball phenomenon because he wasn't the problem, right? Like, he was going really well before this. He was the one banker that they had. I guess you could say Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson probably weren't the problem either, right? So they had a few uh, guys who were doing well in test cricket, but it seems to have invigorated him even more and he's gone six Ashes tests without a century before today. He'd scored 12 uh, half centuries in the ashes without converting right. one of those fifties into a hundred, so that's a monkey off his back, and he did it without really. It was like a. It was so interesting because it was like watching the same old Joe Root we've seen lots of times, uh, but I've never seen him make a hundred in person, and he just did it kind of so easily. And the way that he still bats like Joe Root, but he kind of. Is uh, he's emboldened to do yeah. to bat differently? He plays reverse ramp shots off Scott Boland and I think Pat Cummins for six. And when you think about it, it's actually not that risky a shot for him because he knows the Aussie bowlers can hit a six to eight metre length. He knows that they'll probably pitch it there just outside off stumps. So even if he misses it, it's probably going to miss the stumps. If they bowl short, it'll just miss him. And if they bowl where he expects them to, he can get it over. There. So it's, it's just genius, and uh, I, I loved watching it.
1: And now it's time for our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. Louis, there are a ton of interesting talking points from today's play, and what's the moment that stood out for you?
0: Well, I mean, the first ball of Asher series get built up a lot. You know, we know Michael Slater hit, a, hit you know, that cut shot in, what was that, the 1994, 95 Asher series. We know what happened with Stephen Harmison in the 2006-07 uh, first ball of that series. We know what happened with Rory Burns uh, uh, facing up to Mitchell Stark at the first ball of the last Asher series. How could we forget? So the moment of the day was Zach Crawley's cover drive through the offside. Uh, Johnny Bestow... Uh, kind of describe it at the press conference uh, look i think
1: that you can make as much of it as you want it was slightly different to the last series wasn't it um when we went over there which was uh, rather pleasing um but look like i say we, we were literally up there and yeah a cover drive of that um skill and, and quality was uh, just what the doctor ordered first ball and the roar of the crowd—most of the twenty thousand odd people who got a ticket today—were in
0: place for that first ball, and it was just loud as, wasn't it, when it, when that went to the rope? It was so good, and the Aussies got asked a lot about it in the lead-in, and you know how they'd react to it after saying it wasn't the most intimidating venue and all, you know, all of the Tim Payne kind of banter. And it's just a great venue for Test cricket. It's great for us covering here. We've got a beautiful view, but uh, I don't think there's a bad view in the house today. Like it's, um, it's just an electric place and people love coming to watch basketball. And I think, uh, you know, the Ashes is already big, but this just feels bigger than any of it. And this is why I enjoyed the day so much was because everyone is so invested in this and, mm. Uh, even I think Australians uh, are invested in. Yeah, they want to knock this off. They want to show, you know, in England that um, this isn't here to last. It's just set up such a such a beautiful series. I think.
1: Yeah, and it feels like it's a new philosophy of Test cricket that the whole country's gotten behind. You know, sometimes if teams try something new in this format, traditionalists will say, "Oh no, well you shouldn't be doing that, or you can't do it that way." But I feel like the whole country of England—I've only been here a few days—feels like everyone's on board with baseball.
0: Well, it's great as well, isn't it? Because it, it can be a sport. We know in Australia, uh, I think I might have said this on the podcast the other day, that there's a lot of um, groundswell of support around Ashes series, a lot of casual fans of cricket. Whereas in England, it can be, you know, it's behind a paywall on yeah, TV. Yeah. You can't watch it on free-to-air. So it can feel like the average punter doesn't really get into cricket quite as much uh, as in Australia. But I feel you're, you're right, Josh, like there is that kind of groundswell of, oh, right, the Ashes are on. Oh, well, we know about baseball. We We love going to see that kind of cricket. Um, should we talk about how Australia tackled it today? Because
1: Yes, let's do it. Please, take it away.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it, the deep point, you know, for the, we talked about the first ball to from Pat Cummins to Zach Crawley. There, there was a deep point out. He just hit it too hard and in front of point to for it to be effective. And uh, I found a fascinating stat um, that this was England's fastest first innings in a home test since the – 2005 Edgbaston Test. Okay, wow. The famous one where Ricky Ponting won the toss, uh, thought the pitch might do a bit, uh, and bowled first. They went at, uh, England went at 5.13 on that occasion. They scored 407 first day runs. Pretty similar story here, Al- albeit, you know, England batted and Australia didn't misjudge the pitch. They would misjudge the pitch. They would have batted as well. Um, and England scored at 5.03 per over. I bring that up because despite all the boundary fielders um, Australia had. They, you know, Nathan Lyon had four or five fielders mm. on on the fence for um, for most of the day. They didn't really stop England's scoring rate. Um, I reckon they would have liked to have kept it a, a little bit lower, maybe just under four point five. It Might not seem like a, a big difference, but I reckon England will be saying we've kind of landed the first punch. We're the ones making the Australians change their tactics for us. Um, and you know Australia are saying that's how we play cricket. We we adapt to the opposition. We adapt to the to the pitch. And I think that that is a that's a big one um, because that pitch is really flat.
1: Yeah, it's a good point you made about the fielding um, positions because um, with all the gaps, it meant there were a lot of singles on offer. And England was smart enough to take them up. Uh, Johnny Best, who in particular during his innings um, was electric between the wickets. Joe Root, he always is, of course. And I think they thought or they realised that while they won't hit as many boundaries as they have been, um, there were the singles on offer and they really
0: did cash in. They did. And they, you know, they did kind of find the boundaries in amongst that. There's another part of it too where um, Johnny though, got dropped by Alex Carey. It was a, a full-length dive to Alex Carey's right. It was a pretty tough chance. You wouldn't expect him to take it every time. Um, so it's not a criticism of Carey per se, but there was no first slip. There, So Kerry had to go full length to try and take that catch because there was no first slip. Now, if they had a more defensive batter on strike, you've got a first slip in, you've got a second slip in. So the way England were playing, the way Bairstow was playing, that affected not just the fielders in front of him, but also the fielders in behind him, the, the fielders they would have had in more attacking positions. So that's a little interesting one. If they'd taken that wicket, maybe they're all out for, for under 350.
1: Yeah, and while, while we're on best, it was his first Test match since that horrific golfing injury, um, which um, there's still a bit of um, uncertainty around, but uh, we won't delve too much into the...
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought it was pretty... Uh, I could kind of see how it happened. Like, he, he walked up a tee box. You know, the the edge of a tee box can be quite slanted. Uh, I don't think he played his tee shot. Okay,
1: okay, right. So, though 78 of 78 balls today. He looked really sharp, really didn't um, play too many false strokes today. I mean, a few plain misses early in his innings, but once he got going, it looked hard to see how Australia were going to stop him. He, they did drop a catch, as you mentioned, when he was on 68, but it only
0: cost Australia 10 runs. Yeah, he looked in amazing form, and this is the thing with that England team. When you've got a guy like him coming at 7, you've got a guy like Moe and Ali at 8, albeit a bit different. He hasn't played test cricket in a long time, so I'm not sure how effective he can be in this series, just because of that. But um, yeah, besto is such a game changer. You're right, like at 5 for 176, the game, the test might have been in the balance, but um, I think it's it's a funny one. Like, I think England didn't probably score under par, but I think they'd probably be... The ones happier at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, okay. And speaking of the end of the day, Australia faced four overs. Warner and Kwadu got through. Interestingly, James Anderson did not get the new ball, which was the first time in an English test since 2009. So maybe a bit of a changing of the guard um, in the English pace attack.
0: Yeah, and you'd have to say it was the right decision based on what we saw. Stuart Broad um, bowled nicely at, at, at David Warner. You know, that was always going to be the matchup. They picked Stuart Broad yeah. because David Warner's yeah. in the team. Uh, so that was, he was always going to open from one end. And Ollie Robinson probably looked more threatening, to be honest. And uh, it's interesting teams now are going over the wicket to Quadra and they're trying to get him reaching outside that off stump, which is how India got him out in both innings of the World Test Championship final. It's how he went out a little bit in the 2019 Ashes as well. So that's one to, to keep an eye on. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's fill your boots time for the Aussie batters. I mean, that pitch is as flat as you're going to get. Their bowlers, you know, one of them's 41, one of them's 36... No disrespect, but, you know, they're, they're not guys who can bowl 140Ks all day. Um, and even if they could, I'm not sure that would make that much of a difference. And they've got a spinner who hasn't played test yeah, cricket in yeah. a really long time and an all-rounder whose knee is... Um, if I was Australia, I'd be thinking we can bat once and make 700 and make them sweat in the final innings. And that almost takes Bazball out of the equation a little bit because even if they do go after a, a deficit of 200, they don't win if they get there, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's how Australia should be looking at it.
1: Well, that's day one in the books. Can't wait to see what's in store for tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas Spirit of Australia. Louis, I'll catch you here same time tomorrow and we'll do it all again.